Of course, it would be wrong to suggest that this sort of mayhem began with rock and roll. After all, there were riots at the premiere of Mozart's The Magic Flute. So, what's the answer? Ban all music? In this reporter's opinion, the answer, sadly, is yes. Welcome. We're on episode 81 of Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us once again today is our special guest, author Sean Carlin. Hey, guys. Nice to be here with you again. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming back. We're glad to have you. So this is another thrilling minute of credits in minute 81 of the movie This is Spinal Tap. We start with David and Nigel uh, trying to defend themselves as not racist. I feel like that's one of those things that if you have to say you're not, (laughs) you are. Uh, We end with the return of Mick Shrimpton. We got a little bit of footage of the the late Mick Shrimpton, and in between we uh, Derek elevates sex on a farm, <laughs> and we find out Viv's philosophy. Yes. So there's a lot going on in this minute. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else we need to touch on? On uh, we you know we talked a little bit last minute, a uh, last episode about the race racist white audience and all that stuff and the guys kind of circularly talking about it anything else to say on that no i i just agree with sean's point which is a funny point that you know it's one of those it's one of those conversational black holes that the that you get sucked down it and the further you try to dig your way out this the worse it kind of gets for you <laughs> so yeah it's kind of a uh it's a tough question. It's probably the toughest question that they've gotten from Marty the whole movie. Because obviously, if you say yes, I am a racist, well then that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. It's bad that you're a racist. But if you say no, it's you. You automatically sound defensive. Right. But you have right. to say no. We're not racist. But the the one thing I want to point out is this is sort of a callback, or it's a it's a similar type of back and forth between David and Nigel that we see way back in Atlanta when they were discussing the album cover with Bobby and they're talking about smell the glove and do they really want the woman to smell the glove? And there's a little bit of back and forth where, you know, it's David starts, you know, it's a, it's a joke, you know, she's, you know, we really don't intend her to, to, to smell the glove. And then Nigel's like, well, you know, she should smell it, but, but not over and over. Kind of thing. They had a little bit of a, a similar sort of back and forth here in terms of you know we you know we don't yeah. say it <laughs> we you don't know, we don't mean it we really mean it but it it did it, it, see it yeah, yeah, but we're not racist <laughs> and it, it is it's well yeah. it's it's true I mean it's like they're they're constantly trying to defend their own tastelessness really. <laughs> and, and again I think part of the reason it works and and part of the reason you like these guys goes back to something we were talking about on yesterday's show which is that they're they're ultimately sweet well-meaning guys right so any for instance in the case of the original cover for smell the glove any sexism on their part isn't 
it doesn't really come from a place of of cruelty. It just kind of comes from a place of of naivete and and again just a, a general kind of tastelessness, which, right. which actually segues into the next the next clip. Yes. Yeah, so let's segue into that clip because I've got a couple of interesting, what I found at least interesting <laughs> things about this clip. So we get into Derek and he's talking about, oh, their old stuff is rubbish and the new stuff is more sophisticated, like <laughs> sex farm and <laughs> all that. <laughs> but one thing that I found kind of interesting, so I was looking at the credits, so like, you know, like Sean set us up here. We've got the credits rolling. We're still in credit roll. And that as he's talking about the sophisticated, elevated, put taking sex and putting it on a farm, <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, there's also something here in the credits that says the real Ian Faith. Yes. And that yes. says somebody named Derek Sutton. So yeah. I just thought I'd Google those words, the real Ian Faith and Derek Sutton, and see what I came up with. I came up with a band I'd never heard of from a magazine. on that, This is the online version of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And um, I almost said cassette, because <laughs> that's almost, almost <laughs> what it looks like. And uh, it says, Crack the Sky re reassembles for the beauty of nothing. So first of all, <laughs> Crack the Sky is the name of this band mm -hmm. that they're reassembling. And then their album is The Beauty of Nothing, which I thought was a very spinal tappy kind of name or something David might come up with and drift through his transom. It's one of those, yeah, it's one of those titles that sounds deep, but is ultimately meaningless. Yes. So I, I that kind of caught my eye. And then I won't read this whole article, but it's a, a little story here about this band reassembling um, for, for an event. And it says that uh, in the early days, Crack the Sky, where they were a band in the 70s, and their manager was Derek Sutton, who was the inspiration for Ian Faith. They even mention, oh yeah, we even got lost on stage once. And there's a couple <laughs> of other things in this that in the movie that kind of remind us of our own band. And and they talk about, yeah, Mr. Sutton went on to have great success managing sticks. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And then um, talking a little bit more about this band, they kind of went in and out. Um, you know, they started out quite promisingly. They, they were in a Rolling Stone, declared them, uh, let's see, their first record, the debut album of uh, 1975. So they, you know, they had something there where they were sort of in the style of like uh, Jethro, Stull, Jethro Tull or Genesis, King Crimson. So that kind of prog rock sort of stuff. Then things fell apart, but then in, in 1986, Baltimore radio station during a Super Bowl contest asked them to reunite. So they did reunite, and that's when this new album came out that um, was released, and this is their 15th album. So obviously they did, you know, do some, maybe have a bit of a Spinal Tap lifestyle, and that's when The Beauty of Nothing came out. And what I thought was interesting... <laughs> And kind of paralleled the conversation here and the way that Derek's sort of talking about the band is that it says, he says, of uh, this is the singer of Crack the Sky in 2016, we've kind of 
adapted with the times. We still have the signature two guitars, and we do a lot of interplay. We used to be very prog rock and into tempo changes, stop and start. The biggest change is John's writing has gotten a little more refined, and now we do what's best for the songs. So funny. I mean... (laughs) It just goes to show. I remember yeah. Rob Reiner was talking about the movie. It might have been on one of the the DVD commentary tracks, and he was because Peter Smokler, who's the director of photography for this movie, right. mm-hmm. he he was hired specifically because he had done a lot of music documentaries. I can't think of any offhand, but I, I know that was the case. And I remember when they were filming the movie. You know, Rob Reiner is saying on the commentary, he's he's recalling that you know, in between takes, Peter would kind of come over to. Reiner and say, you, you know, I don't really think any of this is funny because like I've seen all this stuff actually happen. And you know, Rob Reiner would have to say to him, Peter, trust me, it's funny. <laughs> but again, I I know exactly what you're saying, that there's a certain there's a certain pomposity, you know, of these guys talking about their artistic growth <laughs> that that Harry Shearer captures so perfectly in this scene. He definitely does. And, and I think the other thing about it is, you know, I know a lot of artists, I've, I've heard a lot of artists say that, that they're, they're, who are slightly embarrassed by some of their earlier work, whether it's, you know, a filmmaker, their earlier films or a musician, their earlier albums. I know Neil Peart from Rush has said he wouldn't mind if every album prior to Permanent Waves kind of just went away because he he, he just feels it doesn't represent rush at their artistic apex they were still kind of finding their way finding their voice musically you know so those early albums kind of embarrass him a little bit but and i guess that's what derek's getting at here but i think what derek winds up showing in this scene by saying well our early stuff was rubbish but you know sex farm now that's you know a work of art just goes to show that (laughs) spinal tap just never as they matured they never really developed a refined sense of taste you know that was kind of always their downfall yeah they kept going but their their sense of taste did not grow with age yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So that was, that's an interesting comment about Peter Smokler, because an- another note on, on these credits is, so our director is, of course, uh, Rob Reiner. Uh, a little bit of trivia is that originally the job was offered to Penelope Spheris oh, to yeah. be the director. And uh, she's, of course, uh, directed The Decline of Western Civilization yep. and it Wayne's World. To, uh, par- parts two and three and, and Wayne's World. And she also worked on a, a documentary on the Ozfest tour called "We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll," and the the, the story is she was originally offered the job to uh, to direct this and passed on it. That uh, you know she she took the music too seriously. She didn't want to poke fun at it. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> she, yeah. She didn't quite see the appreciation. And of course, all the all the musicians that we've had on a guest and and musicians that we've heard comment on it you know, are all big fans for the most part when, uh, when they can get over how realistic it is. Right. Right. Well, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Definitely did not know that. That's cool. Good, good little fact there. Yeah. Yeah. She, she may have had too much reverence in a way for, for rock and roll and for heavy metal. I mean, I, you know, Tony Hendra who plays Ian Faith, 
he wrote a uh, memoir about 10 years ago. It's not particularly funny, but it's a great book. It's called Father Joe, The Man Who Saved My Soul. And he talks about his experiences working for the National Lampoon. And he just talks about the nature of satire. And he defines satire in a way that for me was so illuminating. He basically says that, you know, a, a satirist will always defend his work. He will defend even his cruelest parodies by saying, well, you only parody what you love. And what Tony Hendricks says in the book, which I thought was so interesting, is he says, that's not really the full truth. The full truth is you only parody the things you once loved, but have come to loathe. Hmm. And, and hmm. I thought, wow, that's that's really interesting and telling. And yeah, may, maybe it was that Penelope Spheris at that point in her life and career almost had too much reverence and kind of couldn't step back and, and see the satire in what they were doing. Yeah. Well, it, you know what? It all worked out for the best because everybody went on to a good career. So. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Yeah, so anything else about this specific little section with Derek before we move on to the wonderful <laughs> Viv Savage? Yeah, and this is really the uh, probably my, my favorite 13 or 14 seconds of the movie right here. <laughs> is uh, Marty is, is, and it's a weird way to phrase a question. So he's not asking Viv about his philosophy of life. He's saying, if I were to ask you right. what your philosophy of life or your creed, what would that be? And then, you know, it's, it's movie magic. I, it, it, I get goosebumps. It tingles up and down my spine. Just, uh, just hearing him say it, have <laughs> a good time all the time. Well, he's got that same sort of childlike quality that we've <laughs> talked about in the other characters. And what's great about, not just the actor and the line, but Viv looks like the kind of guy who's never really known anything but good times in his life. I mean, he yeah. looks <laughs> like in this particular shot, he looks kind of fried. I mean, his yeah. eyes are all glassy and bloodshot. <laughs> so yeah, his, Viv, his smile's a little crooked. It's just oh, yeah. priceless. Yeah, Viv is definitely a guy who knows from whence he speak uh, on on having a good time all the time. <laughs> Yeah. So when David Caffinetti was here and he was reminiscing about the movie with us, we had such a wonderful time. And before he took off from my uh, from Studio West here, Spinal Tap Minute Studio West, he said, yeah, you know, I got that from the movie Groove Tube, the yeah. Groove Tube. And we were like, oh, yeah. And I said, oh, my God, I love that movie. I haven't thought of the Groove Tube in forever. So, yeah, I definitely wanted to mention the Groove Tube and actually rewatched it just the other day and uh we could definitely link to it. I rewatched it just on um somebody had uploaded it onto um onto YouTube. Yeah, it's on the YouTube. It's on the YouTube. I also have it on VHS somewhere, but I don't know where that box is, but it'd be fun to be able to dig in and find that out find that and take a picture of it or something but uh, who knows where that is but yeah the groove tube it came out in 1974 it's directed by ken shapiro ken shapiro hasn't really done 
too much after that, but it, it stars him and Richard Belzer. Both of them are in almost every skit. Chevy Chase shows up for like a couple of little skits, and it's all parodies and goofs on television. So it's a skit mm-hmm. after skit after skit. It's like pre-SNL. Um, if it was all skits of yeah, just it, it sort of, if television seen, parodies. Yeah. yeah. If you've seen uh, Amazon Women on the Moon or Kentucky Fried Movie, it's kind of like that. It's just a, it's a series of skits that are some are loosely connected, some more loosely than others. But it's not it isn't like a single narrative flow. It is no. sort of a little bit of a variety. Yeah. 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 And some of them are like similar to maybe older television shows, maybe mm-hmm. from the 50s or something. And then some of them are more contemporary. There's a really great, what I remembered most about having watched it was that there's a great soundtrack to it. There's a lot of good music that floats through it and keeps it really kind of energized. And most of the skits go on by a pretty quick clip. You know, we're close to 4th of July here, and one of the funniest skits is, is like about um, making a heritage loaf for 4th of July. And it's like a a little skit about one of those um, early shows where you're um, following along and trying to kind of make the recipe as they describe it on the show. So mm-hmm. it, it's funny. I would definitely suggest it. And another thing I thought was just interesting looking through here was that Besides Ken Shapiro, Richard Belzer, Chevy Chase, most of the folks, um, when you look on IMDb, are just those heads with no photos. You know, there's like (laughs) not a whole lot of other work that these people have done. But one person I thought was funny that was, I went down a little hole here with him, was that there's this skit about this Butts beer, like B-U-T-Z, you know, Butts beer, which is a pretty funny little um, sing-along kind of commercial skit. But what I thought was funny was this Alex Stevens was in it, and he's mostly like a stunt actor. But all of his photos are just him as a wolf man. <laughs> like in IMDb, when you look, he's he was in Goodfellas. Shout out to Goodfellas Minute. He was in Superman. Shout out to Superman Minute. He was also in Splash and Scanners. So those are his top four, his IMDb top four. But all of his photos are pictures of him as a wolf man <laughs> so i'm he was in dark shadows in 1966 as a wolf man uh, okay. <laughs> so i just thought that was entertaining <laughs> yeah it's so. it's funny you get a lot of obscure actors in these things and then and then in the mix you'll have a a richard belzer you know yeah. a guy who went on to um a lot of uh Fame and fortune. Obviously, he played yeah. Detective Munch in about fifteen different shows. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's actually in the the original twenty minute sort of demo reel called Spinal Tap: The Final Tour. Oh, nice. Yeah, before they made the movie, the feature I'm talking about, mm-hmm. Rob Reiner and the the other guys made a made a twenty minute demo reel because they didn't know right. how to sell the movie. It's not like they had a script to pass around. So right. they made a kind of 20-minute uh, demo version of the movie, and, and Belzer appears very briefly in that. Man, I yeah. love Richard Belzer. R.I.P. Richard Belzer. It's kind of fun in a way. To to I don't even know that I have a VCR in my apartment anymore, but it is fun to watch 
It's fun to watch movies on VHS the same way it can be fun to read like the old comic books when they were still on newsprint because mm-hmm. there's something about the fact that the quality is not razor sharp that kind of lends to the charm of the experience in a way, especially for a generation that grew up reading newsprint comics and grew up watching most of their movies on VHS. There's something, there's a kind of analog warmth to it that I think um, I, I sometimes long for, even though I appreciate the the digital clarity of, of the new technologies. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, remember a long, 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 long time ago, an interview with Tom Waits, where he said, I don't like to hear music, just obviously I'm paraphrasing this, but I don't like to hear music in the room, crystal clear and perfect. I'd rather hear it, you know, as it's going by on a, in a cassette in a tape deck in a car or down the street or in the other room at a in a house you know just sort of muffled and far away or just messy and imperfect and i that's um i used to live in this weird apartment in sacramento that was in a building that probably should have been condemned and uh <laughs> the apartment downstairs actually had been burnt partially burnt out so i remember i'd uh d- very dangerously <laughs> turn on tom waits in my apartment upstairs <laughs> and then go down to the burnt out apartment <laughs> and listen to it from down there <laughs> yeah in a way the, yeah. the surroundings can sort of have a kind of feedback loop with with the experience, whether you're listening to music or watching a movie, uh, you wind up kind of associating the two things with with one another. I mean, I know for myself, when I go for long walks in the woods, there's certain kinds of music I like to listen to because it just, it fills out the experience in a way. It, it, it creates a richer sensory experience. So yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I like that. It oh, makes just music. Ain't it great? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Sean, you were saying, you know, how much you love this. And I totally agree. It's wonderful. And it was so fun that totally unprompted by us that David Caff, you know, <laughs> said that at the end of our podcast episode with him. Um, yeah, he, he knows the audience. He knows they want, you know, the, the greatest <laughs> hits. You know, he'll do the new stuff. And then, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't going to ask, but. I'm I'm so glad that he did that. Was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and just in the way he closed there was just that's my philosophy, Marty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, it, and it's amazing that talking about putting together this cast and we you know, certainly we've talked about how the actors, Chris, Harry and and um and Michael are, are great musicians that they they wrote and, mm. and performed these songs, but also that the musicians they got turned out to be such great actors and, and particularly David Calf. Yeah, and, and and like we've said that this was improvised, which includes their lines. There wasn't a script for for Mick Shrimpton or, or Viv Savage any more than there was a script for 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 David St. Hubbins or Derek or any of the others. And those guys just uh, you know picked up the ball and ran with it and, and did a really great job. That we yeah. you know we, we get to see, we get to hear from Viv and then in a couple seconds we'll we'll hear from Mick as well. Yeah, a lot was required from those guys. I mean, to be competent musicians, because they do play in the movie and they play on the soundtrack of the film, and and to to be able to improvise dialogue. I mean, that's a whole different skill set. Mm-hmm. And then and then there's the X factor of the chemistry of it all kind of cohering. Uh, and and a lot of movies 
whether they're scripted or otherwise, just don't cohere in the end. There's something, there's a, there's an alchemical quality that, that doesn't come together. And it came together in this because they just, they just got all the right people. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they themselves 30 years later can't believe it all worked because the odds against this concept (laughs) working were pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and we've got these last couple of seconds, so we're back in the tub with Mick, and he's got uh, just a a little tease of of what his philosophy is. Well, does anybody have anything to say about David? David's got a line in there. Oh, yeah. uh, About him. He believes virtually everything he reads. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. He certainly presaged the era of Facebook news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I totally jumped over that. I just, that is a great little section there where he's, and what does he say? He feels like he's. <laughs> that, that makes him more selective, a human. Yeah. And, so and, he's you know, more, more of a selective, selective human. <laughs> human because he, he believes everything he reads. I definitely don't get that logic. And someone but. who doesn't believe anything. Well, again, it's like, it's like, again, it's sort of like the conversation they were having about whether or not their music is racist. I mean, it's so much like double talking that it doesn't make sense. I mean, to try to find a rational thought in there is just a fool's errand. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's not wrong because if they, you know, if it was wrong or incorrect, you could, you could argue the point. It's just so confused. You don't know where to start. The one question I have about this little bit, and I guess this applies to uh, the little bit we had with David last minute as well, is where are they? Where is this particular talk happening? I don't recognize the background here. No, it's so tight on on Michael McKeon. It's and and right. it just looks like a blinds or something behind him. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, we know like earlier, as Heidi mentioned, when it was uh, David and Nigel, that was back at Eight Salt. And we saw Derek back in the uh, the restaurant where they were talking earlier. And obviously, Nigel is is in his room in front of, you know, his lineup of guitars. But I, I, I wouldn't I'm not able to place where where this particular talk happened. And it may just be like this entire, you know, this entire interview with with Marty and David was cut from the main the main right. film so that we only see it here in the credits. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a real location because you can actually hear uh, the audio isn't, mm-hmm. isn't great. I mean, there's a hissing kind of going on in the background. There's an ambient hissing, which again, it's not, that's not really something you notice when you watch the film maybe the hundredth time you watch it, you, you see <laughs> it, but, but there's just little, little bits of evidence that, that again, this movie was made very, cheaply and it was made they didn't have access to sound stages clearly it was all just shot right. in restaurants and On location hotel yeah. lobbies and probably in people's apartments yeah <laughs> or hotel rooms maybe <laughs> yeah and then the last little bit is uh is the uh is, mick's, is mick. mick's philosophy and mick is uh in, you know enjoying a good soak he's in the bath yeah i love that mick is so chill he was just happy to do his interview segment while he was just taking a bath yeah yeah (laughs) so he just likes to think about sex and drugs and rock and roll yeah yeah the the simple things in life he he goes out as so many past spinal trap drummers have (laughs) in a 
<laughs> in a true, in a literal blaze of glory. Although, yeah. although Rick Parnell, the actor, I mean, I don't know really whatever became of him, except to say, I know he did. He appears as the drummer. I think he he's he drums on Break Like the Wind, and he appeared in that Return of Spinal Tap concert. I, he plays yes. he plays Rick Shrimpton. He plays right. The he's, he's like the his twin, twin brother. Yeah, <laughs> right. Rick, Rick Shrimpton. <laughs> but beyond appearing in in the original Spinal Tap movie and then kind of resurfacing for the reunion album they did ten years later, I don't I don't really know whatever became of him. Yeah, he's another working musician that they. Yeah got into it and well anything else guys uh we're we've only got two minutes left so (laughs) this will be your final opportunity uh sean carlin to add any any parting thoughts and and we'll move on yeah no it was just it was fun to it's been really fun to kind of recollect and and talk about these things because obviously I've seen the movie and listened to the albums and read the interviews a million times over the last 25 years. I, I, I don't spend a lot of time consciously thinking about these things or talking about them. So it was fun to sit down and talk about them and kind of become aware for myself just how just how permeated some of this stuff is in my subconscious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, we definitely really enjoyed your input. It's great to talk with somebody who, yeah, once you start talking, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I really do know a lot (laughs) about this subject. (laughs) It has. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Thanks for, for coming back. So, yeah, I think that's it yeah. for me. We've got minute 81 in the can here. And um, well, I, I did got... have a, a couple uh, comments on the on the credits. Oh, yeah, please. Go ahead, Sean. Uh, yeah. Well, one is so we, we start off minute 81 with our wardrobe assistant. OK. And that was Leslie Nicholson. And I don't have much to say about her. Just we've admired the uh, the outfitting throughout this whole movie. And mm-hmm. I also mention her because uh, another crossover with some of our Movies by Minutes fellows. Leslie also worked on Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And she also worked on Mystery Men, oh, doing okay. a wardrobe for them. So that's a new uh, new Movies by Minutes podcast that is that is coming up. So Mystery yeah. Men. I think yeah, they're, I, I was just listening to their, their episode zero today. So I'm uh, very excited about that. Cool. The next comment was, you stole a little bit of my thunder, Heidi, talking about Derek Sutton. <laughs> but but I also wanted to point out, so they've got the credit, the real Ian Faith, Derek Sutton. Right. And mm-hmm. then the next credit is the band road manager, Robert Bauer. So is is Robert the real Janine? Then are they are they splitting up the managing duties? There's like an Ian Faith manager, and then there's the road manager. I wonder if... Uh, Maybe they maybe in making the movie they learn something from the band that you need you need the both the manager right, and the road right. manager sure sure yeah uh, I would think I mean I don't know a lot about it but I would think there's there's managing the talent and that's one thing mm-hmm. and then there's sort of managing the process of being on the road with respect to the venues and making sure all the equipment gets from one location to another so I would think if it if they were a big enough band and and drawing sizable enough audiences that that a, a band might need both. Yeah. 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 And the, the next little credit I, I credit I wanted to mention was for 
pop look and listen, we have art direction from James Mayer. And I mentioned that, and that's the, uh, if you don't remember, at um, Pop, Look, and Listen, that was the segment where they were playing Give Me Some Money. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned that because I was able to find there's an extended video that's the full song. There's only about a minute of it that's in the movie. If you remember back, I think it was around minute eight. On YouTube, there's, there's the full song, and it's in color. Whereas mm. the bit we saw in the movie was black and white. So I wanted to mention that. I'll, I'll put the link up on the website with, uh, with this episode. That nice. if you want to see, yeah, get a, a, the, full, the full Give Me Some Money from Pop, Look, and Listen and, uh, and in color. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that. And then, uh, and then so after going through the various crew, we get into the, the cast in order of appearance, and, and most of these folks we've we've talked about already. So I'm going to pick out two names that I don't know if we've properly addressed when they appeared. Uh, the first one is Julia Payne, and that's our mime waitress. Mm-hmm. And I think we might have even, or I might have mistakenly referred to her as a waiter, not realizing that one of the mimes at the opening party was actually a waitress, not a waiter. And her IMDb page had some some interesting things. She's done a bunch of things. She was on Curb Your Enthusiasm as uh, Cheryl David's mother. She she's in uh, THX one one three eight. Oh God, hmm. that's the George Lucas's first film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, George Lucas's first uh, first film. But most interesting to me was she's a regular on the Garfield circuit between nineteen eighty three and twenty thirteen. She did voices in nine different Garfield shorts for television. So she was in Garfield on the Town, Garfield in Paradise, a Garfield Christmas special, Garfield's Thanksgiving, uh, just a lot of Garfield uh, throughout her career. I thought that was, <laughs> you know, it's good work if you can get it, I suppose. Oh, my God. Well, that ties us into the how did this get made yeah. that we're all talking about offline because their most recent episode um, includes a Garfield <laughs> phone. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so over the span of 30 years, she's done uh, various Garfield specials. Nice. And then uh, the, the last credit I'll mention for, uh, for this minute is uh, Angelo's associate. So certainly in the minute at the party, uh, this is a, another character from that, uh, that opening tour party in New York City. We right. talked about Angelo at the time, but uh, this is Angelo's associate played by Robin Menken. And uh, this was actually, this is the second typo I was trying to remember last minute. Mm. They, uh, in the credit, she's M-E-N-C-K-E-N, but all the stuff I could find on her has it just M-E-N-K-E-N. And that's Robin Menken. And uh, the interesting thing about her is for six years, she was married to Country Joe McDonald of Country Joe and the Fish. the Fish. Yeah. (laughs) So that was interesting. They actually appeared together on the cover of Rolling Stone in in May of 1971, and uh, so she did some time at, at Second City Improv in the 60s, and she was in a troupe with Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland, an anti-war vaudeville troupe called FTA, which uh, could either which variously stood for Free the Army or Fuck the Army. 
mm-hmm. I guess, d- depending on what mood they were in that day. And a, an example song title to give you an idea of what kind of stuff they were doing. Uh, they did a song called Nothing Could Be Finer Than To Be In Indochina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds like something that would have appeared in The Mighty Wind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that almost sounds like something right out of uh, yeah, The Mighty Wind. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I just thought that was interesting, that the connection with, uh, with Country Joe. Oh, and she was also in Thank God It's Friday. <laughs> which is uh, just a crazy movie. <laughs> but yeah, so that that was kind of it for, uh, I think, the high points for uh, for the credits for this minute. Yeah, no, I'm glad you uh, took, took this episode back out of the can while I tried yeah. to preemptively put it in the can before this interesting stuff came out. And just to tie that back to when I mentioned a few eps back that I ran into or uh, let's see what did i say we were talking about was this this podcast where we were talking about (laughs) about finding the marijuana cigarettes the weed in the cigarette box yeah yeah Uh, you taught you you yeah when you were younger you found a cigarette box and you opened it up and it was it was yeah and that was at um, as the kids (laughs) reefer yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was at the grass valley fairgrounds um, at the Father's Day, Grass Valley, ha ha ha. The, yeah, ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, the Father's Day Bluegrass Festival, and um, Country Joe and the Fish was playing at that festival. Oh. So. <laughs> so it's all connected. It's all connected. So. Awesome. Yeah. So yes, pardon my preemptive um, putting it all in the can. Anything oh. else from either Sean before we l- close this baby out? Oh, I just had a lot of fun sitting down doing this so thank you guys thank you yeah thank you sean we had we had a lot of fun as well yeah really glad to to have you in here for now four four episodes total so yeah um all right so i'm really gonna close it down now let's put this baby in the can (laughs) (laughs) um and then just because we're down here to the last final minutes so um i am you know still at heidibennett.com that's where i do my coaching so if you're interested in um if you feel like you're a multi-creative person that's somebody that's very multi-talented and does a lot of different creative stuff, you know, kind of like Christopher Guest. And you are so motivated and excited to do all your things, but you can't figure out what thing to do first or how to turn it into an actual like career. That's what I help people do. So if you go to HeidiBennett.com, that's kind of where you can find out about that. And then, you know, as I've mentioned before, the um, podcast that I will be doing in the fall is Cabin Minute Cast, which will be a Movies by Minutes podcast about the cabin in the woods. So you can find that right now at Instagram and Twitter at Cabin Minute Cast. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm sure lots of other folks are as well. And so, Sean... Sean C. <laughs> if folks want to hear more from you or, or dig more of what you're laying down, where can they find you? I have tons of essays up uh, on storytelling craft and pop culture at uh, my blog, seanpcarlin.com. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll put links to that up on the, the website with the episode. And yeah, really interesting stuff. I've been, I've been digging through those. A lot of, uh, a lot of informative and interesting viewpoints. 
that you have yeah. there. Yeah, I try to I try to go deep with uh, with some of the you mm-hmm. know we'll talk about completely ridiculous things, but try to do it in a deep way. My <laughs> wife once suggested I change the blog's tagline from writer of things that go bump in the night to highly academic discussions of really dumb shit. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love it. I think that sounds like our mandate here on, uh, <laughs> totally. on this program. <laughs> that's definitely implied in our mandate. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, my next, uh, as the, the Spinal Tap Minute wraps up, my next podcast on movies will be on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And that will be seasonal. So that's coming up in Christmas 2017. And I don't think uh, we got nothing. There's no there's no website. There's no Facebook group. There's no Twitter as of this moment. So I'll just tell you to, to look for it everywhere and anywhere. And it'll be there somewhere. And not not movie related, but still a podcast that I uh, that I'm associated with. I will mention five minutes of mime. I've I've had people wonder if that's a joke, and uh, it may be, but yet it is still an actual podcast. And five minutes of mime dot com is an actual website. So uh, you know, a couple of days from now, when we're we're done and gone from. Uh, from the Spinal Tap world, if you're looking for something to fill your ears and your time, you know, you can check that out. Yeah. <laughs> and I recommend that you do. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it only takes up about five minutes. Yes, yeah, it's, it's about so five minutes. Well. Sometimes we run a little long. A couple have, have gone into 501, but uh, oh my gosh. We, we, we try to keep a tight ship over there at the... Uh, <laughs> On the mime farm. (laughs) (sighs) All right. So. Okay. Let's do this. That's it for minute 81. (laughs) And until next time. And so say all of us. Tap tap into into America. America. (laughs) And that's the way it is, was, and will be. And this is Robert Elgin for Channel One News. Hoping that your news is good news. Good night, and have a pleasant tomorrow. No matter what the news may be, this time or any time, until next time, have a good time all the time. <laughs> <laughs>